0: Now, normally,
1: when I do this podcast, I do it in my kitchen. And okay. It's people in my kitchen, but uh, you know, I'm disorganized and sloppy, so I wasn't able to get you in my kitchen. I had to do it here at Operation Come Home. Have you thought I'm,
0: about branching out into a cooking show?
1: You know what? I really did. I thought about. Well, I thought about being you know, like doing a cooking show on on radio. Is not it's really the true, format for it's it. True. You know, people like to see food, like Instagram and shit. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, like, I've thought about branching up and becoming a caterer on the side.
0: Okay, that's you know? good. That's a good side gig. Side yeah. Gig.
1: So my neighbor, right, they're from Germany. And they were gone for, like, six weeks in Germany leading up to New Year's. But they have a New Year's party every year. So we go over there, and we, you know, always... And it's cool, because all my neighbors are from different places in the world. My next-door neighbors are from Russia. My other next-door neighbors are from China. Okay. And so people bring their own foods, and it's always a really cool, like, you know, experience. But this year, because they were gone and they were coming back just before New Year's, she asked me, hey, can you cook for, for the party? Mm. And I was like, cool, all right. You know, like, I got time. I So I spent three days cooking, and I made fucking everything, like smoked salmon blinches and oh blinis and a carrot cake and t- a bunch of different pizzas, candy, bacon dipped in chocolate, like, you name it. Nice. I, I made a buttload of things, mushroom antihitos. Those are great. They're super good. So I made all this stuff. So I had four kids, three adults. We each had two plates and carried them all over. Fourteen plates of food, all different foods, and we bring it in there. And uh, they forgot to invite people.
0: Oh, my gosh!
1: <laughs> so it was New Year's <laughs> Eve at midnight new year's eve there were seven of us in that house <laughs> with 14 plates of food. Food. and then she had all the food that she she went to costco and bought trays and stuff oh just God. to fill it out and whatever and like, it was so much food but Oops. yeah i actually enjoyed the process so i think i could be a caterer like, right. i could do some of that you know and it'd be good uh anyway we should introduce you shlomo kuden who uh, is going to pie the mare in the face and that's why we're talking to you here today yeah all right Tell me how this came about and what, it, what's, what it's all about.
0: So, you know, I was up late one night. Oh, it must have been like 1 in the morning. And I'm just chilling outside having a smoke. And I said, uh, you know what, like... I was thinking of ideas of, like, how we could better Operation Come Home's fundraising goals because I work uh, with uh, the Director of Programs and Services, Linda, and we'll just brainstorm different marketing events, whether it's the Letter campaign or working on the Breakfast in the Rito And I'm just brainstorming, like, you know, what can we do? And I was like, oh, my gosh, we should pie someone in the face, like a politician or a celebrity. I was like, it'd just be epic. Like, it'd be fun. And so, you know, I actually, funny enough, I I said, you know what, I'm going to run with this idea, and I emailed the mayor's office, and I wrote a letter, and I said, uh, my name is Shlomo Kudin, you know, I was was homeless in 2014. Yeah, so I sent him a letter, and uh, I said, you know, we want to ask you a really big favor, we want to ask you to take a pie in the face, if we can raise, say, I couldn't think of a number, I said $10,000 for Operation Come Home. And I sent, the, I sent the email, and I said, you know what? you know what? No one's going to see this besides his office. I said, I should get on Twitter. Yeah. I said, let's make this big. Let's show the world. And uh, I went on Twitter, and I said, at Mayor Jim Watson, will you take a pie to the face if we could raise $10,000? And you, Eric, retweeted it. The mayor saw it, and boom, he was in, and it's happening.
1: Yeah, man. like That's pretty cool. So what makes you want to raise money for Operation Come Home? What's the genesis behind this
0: so when i was homeless operation come home helped me so much they i got my high school diploma here and i couldn't go to my i was in a regular high school at the time i couldn't go to school like when i was living in a shelter or living in a garage and it was it was absurd and och like they let me do my schoolwork, you know, whenever I wanted. If I got anxious, I could leave. They had breakfast here. They had social supports, and and I moved forward. I worked with uh, the farm. Uh, there's an organic farm called FarmWorks, uh, where homeless and at-risk youth work growing organic vegetables, and I got job experience. I was proud. Yeah. I was working. And the I, youth run
1: that by themselves now, which is amazing. It really like, is
0: such they, a cool enterprise. Yeah, the youth. Uh, the youth are literally like the peer leaders, like the bosses and the employees. It's. Solid shit. Um, And yeah, and and I also, I worked with an addictions counselor here, uh, Katie Sanders. uh, When I was struggling with addiction, they really helped me, you know, work through that and, and get to the place where I am today. And I just saw how instrumental Operation Come Home was in helping me and supporting me to turn my life around. And I said, I want to make sure that that service is here. I want to make sure that Operation Come Home can keep doing that because it is such important work and it, it is so life changing. And the second piece about it is and aside from the core funding aspect, I feel like I'm talking about a lot of <laughs> things that people should know about. Maybe well, you'll okay. fill in
1: you know what, all right, let's let's talk about core funding for a second here, okay? You've got the mayor to agree to take a pie to the face. Would you accept him dodging that pie and not taking the pie to the face if he approves us for core funding?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take that. You know what? We're gonna have to pie you in the face.
1: I will take like, that. Like,
0: we're gonna have to settle <laughs> for that. You know, because core funding is very important, and there are many social service agencies in the city that have core funding, and and I think that people people might not necessarily appreciate that. That when we're going out, we're raising ten thousand. We need that ten thousand. Yeah. And you know something else? Uh, I've seen throughout my, my my long time here. I'm twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you've been here one. I've seen organizations close down. And and it's really tough to see because I see them posting in the final few months. They say, we need money uh, to keep going. We need money to keep going. And they say, we can't finance this. I remember there was a a shelter in Gatineau, I believe, a couple years ago that closed down because they just didn't have the funding. And that's real. That actually happens. Yeah, And... You know, without these donations, OCH really can close down, and and that would that would just be so so tragic, such a such a bad thing. Yes, it would. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, yeah, there we go. The we're
0: gonna second throw that piece. Out,
1: and we're just going to throw that out. If you approve core funding, you don't have to take a pie. Absolutely, That's absolutely. I that will is. We'll take all on the, the table. pies for you. We're going to double Bob the pie numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Pie just straight OCH, just pie the building. Just that's right. (laughs) The second piece is uh, I like numbers, I like looking at numbers, and I study OCH's budget. They operate on 1.3 or or 1.5, I think it was, million dollars a year. It varies year year to year, and uh, it's never the same, Yeah. yeah. That is such a small amount of money in regards to the amount of programs and services they offer. They have a food bank, they have a drop in, they have two job programs, they have four social enterprises, addictions counseling, they have a high school, they have, um, I guess, sexual health or health yeah. services. They got the. Uh, Donations, mental health services. services. they got so much going on. And a million a year is really not that much when you think about what operating an organization of this size can really get you. And quite frankly, it's just a bang for your buck.
1: Uh, You know what? That's absolutely true. That's one of the things that drew me to this place in the first place was how innovative they are with the donations that they receive and how they're able to create programs out of such small budgets And when you look at this place, and like like you, I have to go through the budgets here all the time, the budgets for this place, a huge, like, the bulk of it is for rent for this building. Yeah. And it has to be in the downtown area. Like, we literally have to be where the homeless youth are. Mm -hmm. We can't put it out in Kanata and expect them to come to us. That just doesn't work. That's not how it works. So it has to be here. Rent down here is prohibitive. And... It's not sexy when you ask people for rent money, right? When you say, because every time you ask for donations, you say, look, this could put a guy like Shlomo through school. This could put a guy like Mike through our jobs program. This could put a guy like Corey into college, right?
0: A dollar for breakfast for a youth is sexy. My dollar's paying for breakfast. Right, exactly. A dollar of rent money? It's tough. Yeah, Yeah,
1: right? And to, to ask people for that. To say, hey, you can keep this organization going by keeping the lights on and keeping the heat on. And, you know, we're here in this, what what genuinely is a converted bank, right? I mean, the bank vault door is where the kitchen is. I love that. I know, I love the fact that they <laughs> simply can't move it. I mean, you can't afford to move the bank vault door, so it stays. And so you go through the big vault door into the kitchen, and that's where you get your food bank items, right? Like, that's there's something kind of charming about that, I think, in this place, right? But, uh, but yeah, and that is such a huge amount of overhead that that's the number one thing you got to take care of. And after that, yep. everything depends on the funding that comes in. The more funding that comes in, the more the services are able to uh, support the youth who come in here, right? The more that we're able to offer. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, the school, when we had funding year after year from Rogers, and it was the Rogers Achievement Center, then that, made the school so much more effective yeah right and so many more students were able to graduate get credits they still are and there's still a ton who come through here given the resources that we have but it's not the same without that regular i think it was two hundred thousand dollars a year yeah that we were getting from them so now you know we got to find that somewhere else and that's where it, you know initiatives like yours come in
0: a hundred percent yeah
1: yeah now uh do you want to talk a little bit about uh, where you were at before you came to Operation Come Home? Sure. Cool. Oof. <laughs> I know. I know that's heavy, and I know it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, but, uh, all right, specifically, because I know you accessed a lot of programs here, and uh, one of those was mental health assistance. Yeah. So what, I know there was a lot of anxiety. Was there something else with that were you that you were able
0: to work through? Um... There was a whole lot to to really work through. I mean, throughout throughout my life, I've struggled with mental illness from before, um, you know, when I left home and, and didn't have anywhere to go. Um, sorry, I'm trying to... It's t- i got to think of the wording. Yeah, yeah. Don't mind me. Yeah,
1: take your time. Actually, you know what? I was thinking about you the other day because... Every now and then, I have certain programs that I watch while I cook. I put them on in the background and they're like nice background noise and they're mostly cop shows. Law and Order and NCIS and that. And I had Criminal Minds on and I oh, remember being in here
0: that pisses me off. I
1: know. And I remember being in here and I heard you talking about Criminal Minds and how much yeah. it pissed you off the way they portray people with yeah. mental illness. And I just thought about it and I thought, okay, I'm going to actually watch this program because I don't really watch it. It's on in the background, right? I don't you know okay they're gonna catch the guy and at the end everything's fine and whatever right yeah but uh so i thought okay i'm gonna actually really watch the program to see if you know what you're taught to understand what you were talking about but the killer in that program didn't have a mental illness there wasn't anything about that so i didn't quite get it can you explain it
0: to me now absolutely so (laughs) that's this excellent excellent uh segue i guess so, Criminal Minds, many of the episodes, the there's a serial killer, for example, oh, I, I, I can't identify the episode, but there's a serial killer who has schizophrenia. The man is very poorly dressed in dirty clothes, unshaven, dirty teeth, and he's hearing voices and seeing blurry visions, and he kidnaps a girl and goes and serial kills multiple people throughout the city. And I really do believe that And I experienced this with my peers, people saying, okay, that must be what people who struggle with schizophrenia are going through, are like. And with repeated exposure to these type of things in another episode with someone who has bipolar, and they're portrayed as a serial killer, um, it it blows my mind that these are how those who struggle with mental illness are portrayed. There There are two aspects. Number one is that I, I, I talk to people about, you know, what I've struggled with in regards to mental illness, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's, you know, past that. And so many people that I speak to say, you know, uh, my sister has been going through the same thing and, and she's actually been in and out of the hospital. Someone will say, you know, my, um, you know, my experiences are very much like that. And it's so refreshing to hear someone talk about that. And and I, I, I experience that often when I talk about right. mental illness, and I think so many people are going through these challenges, and yet we're afraid to talk about them. I'm afraid to talk about them, because ultimately this is going public, and this is going to be out there for the rest of my life. And And if I say on this program, you know, I struggle with PTSD, or I struggle with or anxiety, and I want to go apply for a job in ten years, that's going to be out there. When my, if I have kids, when I have kids and grow up, this right. this recording is going to be on the internet and and it's hard for me to talk about because there's stigma. Because the reality is is that there's stigma if I, if I talk about it.
1: I think that's probably true. At the same time, I would also argue that unless you talk about it, the stigma doesn't go away, right? Yeah. And I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about the world in general, right? Yeah. Like, one of the things that I think is essential about a place like this is you come in, you say, hey, listen, I'm dealing with some PTSD over some over this issue, that issue, whatever. This is what happened. This is why I have it. And here's where we are now. Then people go, okay, right? Yeah. So let's talk about how we, you know, yeah. help you out with that. You know, there's no... And also Not I mean,
0: here, not in Operation Come Home. We're so it's so open, it's so non-judgmental, and and such a uh, friendly and loving is, is is too cliche to say. Yeah, but, you yeah know, it's, that's it's, right. It's that's just, savvy. It's so it's, you're free. You're really free to to be not okay and to be going through what you're going through. And they're like, okay, cool, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see what we can do to help you.
1: Right. And you know what, that hit home for me the other day, like, literally three, four weeks ago. And I don't know if you saw what happened with Councillor Jody Middick, Ottawa City Councillor, he's a war veteran, right, lost his legs, he's in a wheelchair now, and uh, missed a whole bunch of council meetings because he was back on the booze and, you know, having real problems that stem from his PTSD. And he had announced this to the world. He came clean about it. He told everybody about his problems and said, listen, this is what's happening to me. And the outpouring of support from the public was tangible. I mean, it was real. It yes. was big. And I thought to myself, that's great. But that also comes with the caveat that that's for a war hero, where if you were to put the same person who says, hey, yeah, good for you. You know, you get better. Take your time, you know you put that same person who says that in a room with somebody who, you know, has just been homeless and is, has PTSD as, as a result, they may not have the same reaction when in fact it's the same exact disease. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that sort of, you know, really hit me in a, in a weird way where you don't perceive two different things as being the same when they are in fact mm-hmm. the same thing.
0: That's really interesting, yeah.
1: And I think it's also because... the in a way people can really picture the PTSD causing incident being one of a war scene yeah. right having your legs blown off you know people can viscerally oh. understand how that could lead to PTSD
0: 100% and actually like if a if a parent leaves the grocery store for 5 minutes and forgets the kid inside like that can actually trigger it yeah. So like the, the incredibly minor it's all actually about how the body reacts to any particular event. It could be very minute, but ultimately if it triggers trauma in in the brain, it, it can literally create that. Right. And and you know, I think it's it's a lot easier to picture um, that in someone who's been to war, something that the public perceives as being difficult situation. Right. But if the public doesn't perceive it as such, they'll say it's just fake or real, you know, all this and also, thing.
1: I mean, simply in the case of being a soldier, the public doesn't see that. They see it as noble and heroic, you know, on its face, and they don't say something to the effect of, well, you chose to go to war. Right. Whereas somebody homeless, somebody in another situation, yeah. somebody whose drug use has led to a yeah. uh, mental illness, they will say, well, you chose it, so I'm I'm." Yeah. It. And that's, that's a perception I think we really need to change.
0: I, I agree very much. And uh, it's challenging. You know, I always think about uh, if you want to do a social experiment, you know, make yourself look like a homeless person, try to bum a smoke, you won't get one.
1: That's why I never give one to Woody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh,
1: no, but that's true.
0: Yeah, you throw yeah. on a suit and say, "I forgot my pack in the office." Do you mind if I bum a smoke? People, you get five in five minutes.
1: Because I am, I think I am less likely to give someone in a suit bus fare. You
0: so know? it's interesting. I tell you, I was, I was at a group. I, I go to a, a self help group. Solid, solid group of guys. And uh, one of the guys said, "Yeah, I had to walk here from Vanier I said, uh, why? Why didn't you just ask the bus driver? Be like, yo, I, I don't got any money. Can I get on? And he said, yeah, but I'm in, like, you know, I'm wearing my baggy jeans and my crooks and castles. Tank top." Right, yeah. And he said, the bus driver won't let me on looking like that. Yeah. And if you're wearing a button-down shirt and tight jeans, I think you're a lot better, You're probably more likely right to yeah. be like, hey, listen, I don't have a bus fare. Do you mind just taking me downtown?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um... So, all right, uh, the uh, Farmworks program here. I've been out to that farm a few times. I remember last time I went, they were harvesting, uh, what was it, zebra beets, which was pretty kick-ass. They didn't have those didn't when I was that. there. No, they didn't. They, they didn't do it the last last year either. They only did it briefly for the one summer, and they were beachy. You would cut into them, and then inside they were all striped. They were like red and white striped, oh, and they cool. looked fucking awesome. Like, really, it was for restaurants to make everything look for fancy and whatever pretty. But uh, I took some home, and I was like, I'm growing these, and then I forgot all about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but honestly, I used to go to that farm because I have dreams of not only just being a caterer on in the side, but also a farmer. You know, so I've turned my backyard into as much of a farm as I possibly can, and my wife's not pleased. Yeah.
0: Ryan, line one, please. Ryan, line one.
1: But, uh, yeah, so, like, that's my, and my dad was a farmer, and his dad was a farmer, so, like, now I feel like, in a way, I'd be following in the family tradition.
0: You gotta keep the sense. backyard farm alive, yeah, at exactly. least. exactly. Like,
1: know. I grow green peppers, and I'm like, I'm just like Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had... You know, 200 head of cattle and hundreds of acres of wheat. But, uh, no, I grew a green pepper, so I'm basically the same.
0: A green pepper, yeah. 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 (laughs) yeah. I had one that was worth eating, and so I'm
1: just like Grandpa. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so what did you do when you were there?
0: Oh, boy. So it was actually really interesting because we had, like, the whole growing process. So in the beginning, first we're, like, digging trenches uh, to have the... uh, I don't know what you call them, but lines of, uh, plants. Yeah. And, uh. Rose, I
1: guess. When, yeah, something yes, like yeah, that.
0: Right. I uh, think people are getting the know, gist.
1: <laughs> farm shit. I exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, uh, we started that, and then we started, uh, planting the food. So we'd, uh, we'd have, for example, snow peas, you had to put, like, two seeds and keep them six inches apart, or maybe, like, two inches, and then the yeah, tomatoes, okay. you'd yeah. have to put three seeds and keep them five inches apart, and, uh. It's really cool, and then we also did a bit of transplanting, so we would start planting them in the OCH building using uh, lamps and whatnot, and then we'd bring the small plants, put them into the ground. Um, as the summer continued, we started watering, weeding. Weeding was very difficult because it's an organic farm, yeah. so we can't a- pesticide, and those yeah. things are sharp, too. Yeah, they go yeah. right through the
1: <laughs> gloves. Oh, it was brutal. I remember spending three hours one day out there weeding, and it was before anything else was out. So you're just on your hands and knees, There's not even plants around, and you're just pulling, pulling, pulling. Yeah. eh? Interminable. And you
0: come back a week later, they're all right back. Those things grow. If only they had vegetables, that'd be where it's at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we did weeding, and then eventually the plants started growing. We did start, we started harvesting. Now that was where it was fun, you know. Harvesting is the best. Washing the vegetables. You you feel so satisfying, you know. You're like, God damn, we grew these tomatoes. And, (laughs) uh, no, we'd wash them, package them, and uh, we moved on. And it's interesting because the different plants um, mature at different times of the season. Right. So you got the different areas of the farm that we're going through at the different times. We were setting up irrigation. A lot of. fun I, I didn't experiment because you know I like to experiment we have yep. an electric fence around the field to stop big animals coming in and eating right F- fairly reasonable and uh, you know, I thought it, it can't be that painful I wonder what happens when you touch the fence it was it was an electric fence yeah hurt man t- <laughs> right through my body it was stuff I, I recommend yeah, that yeah the only downfall is is it is truly an organic farm and we can't smoke on the yes. farm because the cigarette smoke is uh, whatever goes, is chemical, the plant. So I had to walk like a solid 15 yeah. minutes or not fit. that's a bit of, like a solid 10 minutes to get off the farm to go have a smoke. Oh, man. Yeah. That was tough. That was tough. Yeah.
1: I know that is the thing that I remember most about doing <laughs> it as well. Like three hours of weeding plus 15 minutes of walking to have a smoke in the middle sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> meanwhile the farms down there had they had a gator they just drive around yeah that's right How's uh, we got to get one of those
1: yeah. yeah hey maybe that's it maybe we say that's what it's for that's ex- yeah know, ten thousand dollars to get a gator for the farm
0: yeah and then in the summer we could use it to plow i don't know start a new business yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of businesses <laughs> going on here man well, I think the last thing was for a truck for Bottleworks. Like we really needed the truck, and now we got the truck. That's things. right.
0: That was good too. Like yeah. it's making their job easier and profit. And Bottleworks is profitable now.
1: Yeah. That's, that's insane. It's you know. insane that Bottleworks and the farm are both profitable.
0: Yeah. You know, th- th- those ice- are recent too. It's it's impressive.
1: Yeah. You know that farm. Mm-hmm. I remember going out there the first year that it was uh, that we did it. And
0: Maybe cut out insane. So go
1: yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. A business is profitable. Oh, mind <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Don't mind. Well, me. no, I. But I, you know what? It, it really
1: was just in terms of the time it took yeah. for it to become profitable. Because we start these things as a social enterprise, and okay, that's exactly
0: you know? it. Profits aren't the primary goal; they're the secondary goal. And the fact that they could accomplish the primary and the secondary goal—that's right. that's what's good.
1: And that's what's amazing. And that's why I find this place so innovative and so successful. Is because you start out with an idea. Okay, we're just going to collect bottles from all kinds of the businesses around Ottawa. We're going to collect growlers from microbreweries and deliver them to other microbreweries. We're going to be able to just have this service. And it gives youth work experience. So they get out there and we get a little bit of money back for it. So it pays a little bit for itself. But really, we're paying youth to get job experience. Yeah. The thing. It's the same thing with the farm. You're like some good honest hard work outside you know in the summertime that's great work experience get that's your just,
0: hands dirty oh yeah pay some and taxes like, contribute exactly <laughs>
1: exactly. like you're contributing to the world percent. you're out there on that farm but the fact that that farm within a year started to turn a profit yeah and is now self-sustaining right yeah. we no longer have to take operation come home money and put it into the farm so we can use that money for something else better addictions counseling better you know schooling better whatever it is that we need
0: Exactly. You know,
1: and so the the more that these programs become self sufficient and are comp- the farm completely run by youth, turning a profit, and totally self sufficient, giving more youth that come in here an opportunity to go out there and get some job experience and get their hands dirty and do that thing. I mean, I can't imagine a more successful program.
0: Yeah, it's really great stuff. Yeah, It really is.
1: Now. You've been through all of this stuff. You've been through the school. Did you get your GED when you were here? I got my
0: high school. So I was in a regular high school program. I think I had something like 25 credits when I got here. Yeah. So I just had five more to complete, and I was like... Let's buckle down. Let's do this. Yeah, just because I'm in the shelter doesn't mean I'm not going to finish this goal. I was like, I put in three and a half years. I'm fucking finishing this. And I did. I did. uh, We had these uh, course booklets. And the teacher was Liz at the time. She was amazing. Yeah, she was. She was really great. And uh, no, I just come in, do my work. And then I got one, two, three, four. And uh got my credits and I remember because this is really great, yeah. I always wanted to use the PA system in operation come On. They have a PA system to yeah. page someone yeah. or this and that. I was like, Oh come on, can I use they're like, No, you're a client, you can't use They will not let me use these.
1: Exactly, <laughs> man,
0: this is fun shit. I'm gonna have to get a bill yeah. and get in my apartment or something. And uh when I graduated they said, Shlomo, you can announce that you've graduated over the PA system. <laughs> Oh, I was so happy with that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I got I got my high school diploma.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. So you got your high school. Now you're in college. What are you doing? It's uh, all gone.
0: Fun stuff. I'm doing, I'm uh, taking business marketing uh, program. It's a two-year program, and it, it's amazing. First of all, you know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And I just, I love learning the numbers and, and the customer acquisition. I really, I like business. I remember, like, when I was, I think it was 16, uh... I, would, I was I was just walking down the street, and someone had put a... I don't know, maybe I shouldn't put this on. Eh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone had put a, a, a like, a, a... What are those? Lazy Boy, like, chairs that like dad always sits in. Kind of recliner, of them, yeah. yeah, yeah right. And uh, just at the side of the road, I was like, I could sell that. So I picked it up, I brought it home, I took some pictures, I took some measurements, posted on Kijiji, I got 40 bucks for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, i have just been wheeling and dealing all my life, and... Um, No. So I was like, this is a great fit for me. I want to do business marketing and I actually want to go into um, fundraising and nonprofit management because I think I could, I think I'd be so good at it. And I think it's something that I really just want to do to be able to, you know, fundraise, work with nonprofits and, and just help people and, and do good. But the thing about that is too, is because You see, it's important to do what you're good at. You know, I may benefit, you know, society or whatever as a doctor. I may benefit working as a social worker, whatever it is. Um, And I think I'd probably make a good social worker, but I think I can make an even better fundraiser. And so I want to take that talent that I have, that natural ability, and refine it through college diploma and education and then utilize that to... To fucking make the world a better place. Yeah, man. Mm.
1: Well, and, and you're doing that right now with your uh, fundraising campaign for the. And the fact that you're voluntarily coming out spending 24 hours outside with us, you know, whereas at one time you would have to do it, uh, <laughs> you know, not voluntarily. Yeah. Yep. And you're going to do it on purpose this time. Yeah. I think that's yeah. terrific. And, uh,. I mean,
0: I don't know what the hell happened. She's just like, "Yeah, hey, do you want to join?" I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." She, she Linda's smart. I she think, recruits yeah. in September, October. That, that's that's how to do it, right? <laughs> it's like minus five. I can do this, no problem. <laughs> Boom, minus thirty-five with that's the windshield. Right.
1: I don't think uh, like today <laughs> people are going to hear this podcast. If few uh, like maybe a week from now, but today it's minus thirty-five
0: with the windshield. It's insane. I go outside for a smoke. I'm dead, and I'm like. All right. Well, looks like I committed. Let's do this. Let's <laughs> raise some money. Yeah, but, today is not the day to raise today. more people, though. You know? <laughs> you know what the truth is, though. Every year this happens. Every year, yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, why did I do this?" They do it. They love it. They raise money. It's solid. Yeah,
1: it absolutely <laughs> is. So, uh, I'm on the board here. So we have marketing and committees, and we I think I think one of them is called marketing. I don't know. I'm on two committees. I can't okay. remember what they're called, but they meet and they tell me when the meeting is, and we show up. and I think one of them's marketing and, and other things, right? And so right now, what we're working on in the committee that I think is the marketing committee <laughs> is uh, what we're calling an elevator pitch, and this is something that I I don't know. It's like one of these like hipster buzzwords that I see in you know TV shows like Suits and shit like that. Oh right? yeah. But uh, basically, the idea is that. When I meet somebody and I start telling them about Operation Come Home, right? It's about as long as this podcast has been. So we do this and we do that. You know, we have a school, and, when I, and sometimes I teach math at the school, and other times I come in and, we, and I see kids putting like the all the stuff in the dirt up in the farm thing, and you know, like and so I'll go on and on and on and on. So the elevator pitch idea is like you shut, you know, get it down to fifteen seconds in 15 seconds, can you explain what Operation Come Home does to the point where the person might be interested enough to say, tell me more, and then give you that 45 minutes of their time. You know what I mean? So if you had to come up with a 15-second elevator pitch for Operation Come Home, what would it be?
0: Oh, God damn. Well, it's funny. Before I get into the elevator pitch, great story that happened to me uh, a little while ago. Uh, I was walking back from Algonquin for the exams, I had a midterm and uh, I'm coming inside and they're setting up for the uh, Ontario Student Sales Competition. And they have a table full of chocolate bars. And they say, I say, hey, this looks cool. And they say, yeah, if you make a pitch for a business, 30-second pitch, we'll give you a chocolate bar. Okay. I was like, yeah, sounds good. I want a chocolate bar. Yeah. So I stand there and I pitched a 30-second pitch for Operation Come Home. They gave me a chocolate bar. I was like, cool. I just got an email yesterday. They're like, you uh, qualified for the corner finals. And uh, uh-huh. come to the- I'm like, I don't want to do a sale. I want to just eat a chocolate bar. Uh-huh. So uh, I've had a little practice with this 30-second pitch. But, uh 15 seconds 15 seconds pitch.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Can I pause and think? Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, so where we're we? we're at the uh, the 15 second elevator pitch and uh All right, we took a break here. I'm going to just do a full disclosure. (laughs) But we took a break for a smoke. Katie,
0: line two. Katie, line two.
1: And then Katie picked up line two. and uh, Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully she did. And, uh, yeah, it's okay. You just gave me, like, an amazing tagline for OCH. Hit us with the tagline.
0: Okay. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. A horse needs water, and OCH has water. Yeah. That's... That's that's where it's at, and I think that, you know, uh, like, th- these youth are alone, and they need the skills, they need the help, and OCH has that, whether it's counseling, whether it's any anything that a youth needs, they can go from being homeless on the street to achieving their goals, and OCH is what gets them there.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, really, I yeah, and I think for, the goal for us, I think more than anything, is to go from not having a plan, not having an idea, not having any clue where you're going. I mean, so many of the youth are coming here have no idea what is next yeah. or how to get there. Yeah. And to achieve stability.
0: Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, I actually. Yep. Yeah. Man, if I may, uh, you know, I think about and I talked about this anecdote a lot. I think about about what a change it is, you know, for the average, if you want to think of the typical Canadian family, to move. To move, that's a big deal. Right. You pack, you got a new place, you're getting used to the new home, the neighborhood, you got to figure out, the, whatever it is. You think about a kid or you know, your kids changing schools. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a, you know, you got, it's a big deal to make new friends. I think about, I think about, you know, leaving a social circle. Let's say, you know, you're graduating high school and you leave, it's it's big. When you leave college, It's when you leave a community, it's a big deal. And I think a lot of the youth, who are, are struggling with these challenges are going through these these radical changes on a weekly basis. Yeah. Changing schools, changing places where they're going, leaving social circles. These are big deals. And well, even if it's you get charges, you know, whether it's for getting in a fight or loitering, these are big things that are yeah. going on and, and it takes a toll on someone, you know, it's it's, it's hard right. to, to, to work on on some of these main goals when you got so much going on. Yeah. It's tough.
1: And it's tough when you think, really, most of these youth are going through it on their own.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. I
1: mean, you, and you can't do it alone. Yeah. And I, I thought about this a lot uh, last year. I, so every now and then I come in like on Thursdays and I tutor at the school here. And, you know, always it's one-on-one, right? It's rarely more than one student who wants tutoring in math at one time or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I graduated high school, I think there were... 480 kids in my graduating class, which means that through my high school years, there were 500 of us that shared the exact same experience at the exact same time. And whether we knew all of each other or not, and I didn't know all 480 of them, but whether we knew each other or not, we had 500 people who went through the same experience with us at the same time. And when I come in here and I tutor a student who's here at the, at the Achievement Center, they're going through it by themselves. Yeah. There is nobody else who's doing the same thing they're doing at the same time. Yeah. You know, they're on their path. They're doing math now. This other kid's over there. He's doing English. And the other kid's over there, and they're doing, you know, uh, social studies or whatever it yeah. is. There's no, you know, there's no larger community upon which they can rely to move move through that, right?
0: Very true. And I think just to add on to that is even more so is you choose your own hours, you don't have to come in. Right. You could just yeah. fucking go chill if you want. Yeah. And and I think you know you think about you know back in your high school days. Your mom got you up in the morning. Get oh, your yeah. ass out of here. Go to school. And I think that's even more uh, respectable for someone to show with no um, no one pushing you, no requirement. You gotta gotta put in the work yourself. And then you sit there at the table alone and you gotta read, and then you gotta answer the questions and right. do the tests. Even more so to do that completely to, to get that motivation and uh I don't know if it was will or self-control, self-discipline, whatever you want to call it, to do that work is very commendable.
1: I absolutely agree. And that's why I think when when people like you come through that school, they end up with their high school. That to me is such an achievement, right? Whereas yeah. when I graduated high school with the other 480 kids, it's just what you did. Like, yeah. of course you graduated high school. Everyone fucking graduates high school. Yeah, But there's no sense of achievement in it it's just okay on to the next step this is the next step in life but for the kids that i see come through this school and graduate that's an achievement yeah that is something that they you know that's why they call it the achievement center and not the next step (laughs) the thing you do everyone does in their life center right yeah yeah you know and so yeah, to see the the effort that's required yeah, to make the that dedication
0: happen. to it for yeah. sure to push through whatever is going on in your life yeah. to go to school every day after you get into a fight in the shelter the night before that's not nothing that's yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, did you do that no no school, after I you?
0: didn't I I got no fights I was down yeah. here for for two years not one fight not you one don't fight. strike
1: me as a fighting type
0: no you got to spread the love keep the peace you know yeah yeah
1: yeah actually you know what. I'm going to tell a story about you right now that uh, uh, just came to mind, and uh, okay, I'm going to start with a different story, because, and this is going to seem weird, and you're going to go, where the fuck are you going with this, but bear with me for a minute.
0: I'm looking forward to it.
1: I started working uh, at CD was 15 years ago when I started working at Shea at the same time. Uh, so I had three jobs and one of the jobs was CD warehouse and I was just a cashier and working on the floor and I would help people find music when they came into the store and I tried to be as friendly as I could and I tried to, you know, steer them in the direction of good music instead of Nickelback if <laughs> or whatever, you know, like I might have been a little opinionated but, you know, but I spent a lot of time with customers and my I, I started there in December at that Christmas there were three customers who came and brought me a Christmas card at that store. Aww. And I thought to myself, like, that's fucking cool. Like, I thought that was the neatest thing in the world because, I, you know, I've been there just a short amount of time, but in that short amount of time, I felt like, oh, I must have at least made some kind of impression on these people. So my boss at the time found found this out. My immediate manager was like, oh, my God, I've never seen that before, tells the big boss. And the big boss's reaction was, well, he must be spending way too much time with customers then. <laughs> Make him clean more. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? like that was, that was genu- genuinely the reaction. And so, honestly, until this Christmas, that was the Christmas card that made me the happiest. And then you, at the Christmas party this year, brought me a Christmas card. And I was like, that is one of the most amazingly thoughtful and unexpected things that I've ever experienced in my entire life. Why, why? Why was why did you do
0: that? I like the holiday season to spread the cheer, but I think I have a community here. I think I have, uh, you know, a bit of a a family, and
1: uh, and you brought a lot of cards. You yeah, yeah.
0: Guy. You gave them to I, everyone I, here. I brought them. Yeah. We got
1: uh, one of those bottles of water. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Maybe two of them. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Would you like uh, several more? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> no, this on. is hard work done at OCH. <laughs>
0: That's that interruption. That's youth getting bottles of water. This is making change right here. That's right. That Horses need news. water to drink. OCH has water. You go. Um, yeah, I think I have a family here, and uh, I really, I really, I find, I feel, I feel grateful, and I, I think the staff are very special, and I want to yeah. spread that love. And I
1: really thought that that was an amazing gesture on your part to spread that love to come in and say like, hey. I acknowledge you and give everybody a card. That was really cool of you. Thank I you. think that's the kind of person you are, and that's why I don't think you got into many fights when you were on the street. Thank you. You know, <laughs> but uh, but I also feel like being on the street—that's something that you can't always avoid. How did you avoid that all the time?
0: So one thing that can be very difficult is—is uh, is probably going to involve some editing. You know what I love? Oh man, I gotta stop fucking. Getting sidetracked. This is... Hey, this is, uh, <laughs> get sidetracked all Right. You it, anyway. yeah. So uh, So, um, you know, I think that when you're uh, going through uh, a lot, when you're going through the streets, you feel very belittled, you feel very invalid. You feel like everyone shits on you, no one gives a shit about you, people walk by you, and you feel a bit worthless. Right. Um, someone challenges you, someone calls you a piece of shit, piece of garbage, fuck you, you're a bitch. Um, you want to fight them? You're hurt, right? And and you don't want to show that you're hurt. You want to show anger instead, right? And it's you call me a fucking goof. You want to go, or or when someone steals from me? People stole from me in the shelter. I, I remember someone just stole. I had twenty bucks. Someone just stole it, and I, and it hurt so much. I was like, I had I had twenty bucks. Like that was yeah. all I had, and someone just fucking took it from me. It hurt, and. I wanted to fight them like fuck, let's fight them. But I thought about the consequences and I'm very blessed that um that I really had a lot of long-term thinking. Um I think that comes from, you know, a lot of stability in my life and I was really, you know, able to throughout much of my life to to think ahead and think about how every choice I make uh is going to have consequences, whether positive or negative. And, I have, and if I want to have the positive consequences in the future, I'm going to have to fucking make the difficult choices now. Right. And that is when I feel belittled, when someone calls me a bitch, when someone says you want to go, I say no. I right. say, look, man, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm going to walk away right now. I'm going to step back. I feel hurt. I feel it doesn't matter. I'm not going to. Because you know what? That just leads to fights. That just leads to drama. That leads to charges and and i'm not about that i wanted to get out of the here i didn't want to not about the fighting yeah yeah
1: yeah and i think i think that's commendable i don't know if it's usual though because no. i see so often the anger reaction yeah which is understandable when you yeah. are in that situation you know yeah you know uh in a way i sort of think of it like uh you know i guess you, you have a certain sense of self. And that sense of self is constantly being, you know, uh, I don't want to say assaulted, but, uh, you know... Uh,
0: Undermined or challenged. Yeah, maybe. right,
1: you know, like... That's, it's always been... Yeah, challenged, yeah. I think, is a good idea. a Good word, right? You're in a situation where every day there's another challenge to your sense of who you are. Yeah. Right? And so... For you to always be able to know who you were and, and never rise to that, you know, challenge by resorting to, to violence, I think, mm-hmm. probably makes you the exception. I, I could be wrong. You would know better than I, than I, think,
0: I do. I think it is. I think it's unfortunate, but I think it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, you certainly are able now to look back and say, okay, I'm glad I didn't do that glad i didn't do this right i'm glad i never got into that fight got an assault charge on my you know rap sheet or whatever uh did you ever end up loitering charges anything like that legal problems
0: oh boy well there's one uh, incident of graffiti that uh i can't really talk about exactly <laughs> what happened have i told you the story
1: yeah you have you okay have. so um oh boy but yeah you don't have you don't have to go into detail uh
0: so yeah i guess i guess you do a little bit of editing here too but, uh, yeah, no, I actually did have a little bit of a... Uh, I was I was out what... No, it was... I was I was that. I was having exactly that. I was just struggling with my sense of self. I was feeling... I just felt really shitty. And I was feeling low self-esteem. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to act out. I'm going to do something stupid. Um, oh, I have a great story. Ask me about Ludacris when I'm done this story. All right. Um, and I went out and I just uh, spray-painted a building. And uh, sure enough, the cops came and put me in handcuffs in the back of a police car. Now, let me tell you something. When you're in handcuffs and your face itches, oh, that is the oh. worst, Because there's <laughs> just nothing you can do. But uh, I got a promise to appear in court, and I went to court, and I uh, sat down with the, uh, I don't know what they're called, but the uh, the lawyer that they give people who can't afford lawyers at the time. Right, the public defendant or whatever. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I went America in.
1: I you, American It so <laughs> might be something different
0: in Canada. <laughs> And, uh, they discussed with the prosecutor, they said, you know, he seems to be a good kid, this is his first charge, let's give him diversion. And, uh, I have to do 20 hours of community service, which I, uh, volunteered with an organization in the Jewish community doing construction for, um, the, you know, the community there. And, okay. uh, then I actually, uh, gave a presentation talking about how going through court and, uh, having to do community service, and then also like the further potential consequences that can come if you keep acting out. And um, that was good. I got out of it. I got diversion. The charges were dropped. Um, And I was good. Another time um, I uh, acted out, if I guess you want to call it, is uh, in the shelter. Uh, Someone stole something from me, and I was really pissed, and I went and stole something of theirs. And I was like, you know, you're gonna hurt me. I'm gonna hurt you. I yeah. was I was very hurt. And uh, the cameras in the shelter, and they came and talked to me, and they said, uh, Shlomo, you, uh, we saw you on camera. You stole something from this guy's coat. Uh, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to leave. You can't stay here tonight. Right. And I just I got kicked out. And that was that was really shitty because that was that was the first and only time I got kicked out of the shelter, and I. Uh, I don't remember where I slept, but it was, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. You, you know, you, you really want to act because you just, and there's, there's also a sense that, um, it's just like, fuck it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, all this, all this is so shitty. I've, I've experienced so, I feel so worthless. I've just, I've been, um, so I, I'd really, I'm not using good adjectives. I'm going to (laughs) say shat on again. No, yeah. You know, but, um. And it's like, why should I care? Why should I try? Why should I give a shit about the consequences? Why should I give a shit about society, the community, or the people around me? Fuck it. Right. And those words are, are where the trouble comes from. Yeah. The fuck it. And, uh, you know, I always I heard a great phrase is, uh, you want someone to be, stop being a gangster, give them something to lose. Right. And um, I think those words are very true. It's not a foolproof system, but... You no. know, when you have little to lose, you say, why not? You know, when am I going to fucking lose? Yeah. So I might as well. Yeah. And it, and it creates a cycle, and, and it's just, you know, even more unfortunate.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, where did fuck it take you? Like, once you said that, where did that lead?
0: Where Where did fuck it lead? To To getting kicked out of the shelter. Yeah. It's like, you know, fuck it, my shit's being stolen. I was I was, fuck it, I'm going to go take his shit. I mean, there probably will be consequences, but I don't care what the consequences are. I'm just gonna do it, and and that led to me being kicked out of the shelter. Like, yeah. fuck! I spent half the night outside, and then it was like way too cold. I went to uh, the mission. The mission was the was very full that night. I um, they put mat they put mats, thin mats on the floor of the chapel. It was 50 people on the floor, just on mats, and that's where I stayed. and, and that was the consequences. Yeah. Um you know, another example of fuck it is I uh, discussed this on the website of pyrmare.cas when I was struggling with addiction.
1: Yeah.
0: And um you know, uh, I have been uh I guess so many things in addiction. You know, I, I hurt uh I hurt people close to me. I um made a lot of poor choices. And um I remember one night I I went down to downtown uh to buy to buy some uh it was my drug of choice, and I got jumped by six guys. They took everything I had. I was covered in blood. A fucking ambulance took me to the Civic to glue my head together. Um, and I didn't care. It didn't stop me. You know, I um, I went back the next day because, you know, fuck the consequences. It doesn't matter whether they're legal. doesn't matter whether they're personal, financial, physical. Uh, family, friends, whatever it is, it's, um, it's fuck it. Yeah. I just, I'm hurting so much. I just, I won't care about the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And you went back to find your drug again the next day, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I went downtown. Yeah. Did you have an unfuck it moment? Can you point to one moment where you go, I'm going to unfuck this or, you know, was it little things over time?
0: I'll tell you, it's actually, it's the greatest story ever. So, uh, before I go into that story, I'll just give a quick anecdote. I remember, there was a day when I had, and I'm incriminating myself. See Alfredo Center, please don't come after me. <laughs> um, I had $10. Uh, and, you know, aside from having very little food at home, I had no toilet paper. I would literally run out of toilet paper. And I had $10. Could have gone to Giant Tiger, bought two rolls for a dollar. Um... But I needed $10 to, to get my drug of choice. So I went to the Rito Center, and I just took uh, a roll of toilet paper from there. I unrolled the toilet okay, paper yeah, into yeah. my backpack so I could have toilet paper. I'd rather do that and have money for my drug of choice because fuck the consequences. I don't care if I don't have money for toilet paper. I need to right. get my drug of choice. Priorities. Fuck the consequences, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um...
1: Don't tell my work, but I still do that from work. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I'm too lazy to make the stop on the way home. Uh, Shopper's drug bar. No, I'm just going to take it from work. I'm here anyway. <laughs> might as well. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> um, big uh, unfuck it moment for me. So interesting. I, uh, I went to Dave Smith Youth Treatment Center. And, you know, I was. I was struggling to try to get off. I remember I would go to detox. I'd spend two days, three days, a week, couldn't handle it, left, and went right back. And I did that multiple times. Eventually, I got into Dave Smith. Uh, It's a youth treatment center. One thing, uh, policy they have is no smoking. Right. Right. that's difficult. Like, you know, aside from coming off your drug of choice, being away from home, you yeah. know, starting to address some of the the core roots of why you're using. Yeah. Aside from that, you can't smoke. That <laughs> was fucking tough. And, yeah, I uh... Still. Yeah, remember, I, um... Uh... I'm not going to tell how because there are still kids that go there. I don't want to give them any ideas. But, uh, I, I got a cigarette. And, uh... They caught me and, uh... They said, all right, Shlomo, you're going to be suspended for five days. You're going home. And um, I went home. And, uh, man, home was shitty because, you know, I had none of that infrastructure there. I had, you know, my place was disaster, hardly any food, just, you know, there was um, access to drugs everywhere. I had no money, just fucking the shittiness of addiction. And I came back to Dave Smith, and, uh, you know, I was doing really great. But just one tough night. I was just dealing Is Rehab is hard. I believe so. You it, know, yeah. like, to deal with... And uh, I just... I went out and I got another cigarette. And uh, funny enough, they actually have these... I, I talk about it so lightheartedly. Um, they have these things called smoke Which are actually like breath that the cops use. But it literally detects... I think it's carbon in your lungs. Really? You blow it and if yeah. it's over a seven, turns red and they're like, he's had a smoke within the past 24 hours. Really? Really? Yeah, wow. and that's what got me. Not oh. not that not that I shouldn't have been kicked out because I fucking had, broke the rules broke the and rules, their consequences. Yeah. And um, <coughs> they said, "I'm sorry, Shlomo, you're not serious about being here. You're not willing to follow. Notice, you're not willing to follow the rules that we have in place to come here and, and work on addiction treatment. We're sorry, we're kicking you out of the program." And I remember they put me on a put me. I went on a Greyhound and I got home that night. And I just laid down on my food job. My apartment was a mess. I had hardly any money. Um, I was just... And I said, I had it all. I said, I, I was talking to a counselor. I had three groups a day. I, I, I had three square meals a day because, because to cook for yourself and do the dishes and, and do all that, like when you're going through this, I wasn't doing that. I said, I had food. I had people to do it. There were fun field trips. I had all of it. And I gave it up because I said, fuck it. I had to smoke. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I realized what I had after it was gone. Yeah. And once I did that, I said, I'm going back. And I just, I applied. I waited on the list. I kept I kept my best to get into as little trouble as possible. And I went back. And I remember I didn't even, I wasn't even tempted to smoke. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was just like, it. The consequences are so bad
1: mm-hmm. that
0: I don't want to. And, and it was just a big wake up call for me. Yeah. And that's I think that where my unfuck it moment was. And then I came back and I got a job at Tim Hortons, and there you go. I had even more to lose, you know. Yeah. If I say fuck it, you know what? What have I? What have I worked so hard for to lose all of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! I meant to ask you actually, Tim Hortons. What? How would you feel about Tim Hortons being involved in your campaign?
0: Oh, what do you mean? Like Like, provide the pie?
1: Yeah, yeah, the pie thing. Like it just—they're big. big. They're big. They're very big, but they love to do charity stuff. And I swear to you, your story as one of their employees—that they could highlight. I think they would be all over it. And
0: let's contact. I have. We're gonna make the call after this interview. Yes, I love it. I think that's.
1: I think that might be a great way to go. Fucking right. That they would. I bet they. would Come in big. All right. I would guess. That's my guess. <laughs> Follow up. Yeah. Let you know how that works. Uh, okay. <laughs> Insert now recording you told me here. Earlier, uh, to remind you to tell the ludicrous story.
0: Okay, there is a song by Ludicrous called "Act a Fool." Now, have yeah. you ever heard of it? Yes, sir. It drives me absurd because "Act a Fool" is synonymous for make. Poor choices.
1: It really is.
0: It really is, and he said, "If the bottle's all gone and your eyes are red, man, what you gonna do? Act a fool." The <laughs> song is literally advocating for poor choices. It, it's absurd, and you know I listened because it's a great beat. It it's a great catchy. song. I love it's it. Catchy, but it fun. just blows my mind. Yeah. that that we just listen to. It. Well, what you gonna do? Make poor choices. It's like it's <laughs> absurd. I walk around singing it. It's great.
1: Although you know what though, <laughs> I gotta say, I really think. I think everyone needs to make some poor choices It's in their life. true. It's they true, do, right? You know, I think if you go through your entire life making zero poor choices, then you are never really going to learn what one looks like. And it's just going to be a safe life, which I'm not sure is a What stories
0: thing, are you going to tell? But exactly. You know, you're not
1: going to have many good stories. It's if true. If you only it's make true. good choices. Yeah. You know? So that that's the ludicrous story. Yeah. It's just like, you wanted to talk about the song. Well, you, he's just what you some... wanted to rap a little bit is what you wanted.
0: Like that right? that too. Like that you, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it just absurd to me when I was thinking yeah. about you know making poor choices and say fire. I was just like this song just advocates for it. It, it really mind. does.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would argue that. The vast majority of rap from two
0: thousand to two thousand nine does also do that thing, you know. We're leaving out a plenty of songs, right? Yeah, it's right. a little more open. I I guess I could I should appreciate his honesty and openness. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's good.
0: All right, people. Do you? want to support charities that do great work in our community? Do you want to see the mayor of Canada's capital get a pie in the face? Have we got a proposition for you. (laughs) Operation Come Home and Shlomo Kooten is going to be pieing Mayor Jim Watson in the face when we can raise $10,000 for OCH. So go to PIEOURMAYOR.ca to donate today and let's pie Mayor Jim Watson for a good cause.
1: That's where we're ending it.